All right, everybody, welcome into another episode of the Sports Ethos Celtics podcast. I am your host, Patrick Lounsbury. You also have my co-host with me, Lucas Gaynor. After two games that we've uh, watched over the past few days, coming into podcast and talking a little bit of the free agency. How are you feeling today, Lucas? Free agency or? Uh, trade, trade deadline, you know, my fault. I was going to say, no, it's we're looking a little, a little, it's a little tired. Oh, it's all good. Yeah, we had a little case of the Mondays, but I'm doing well, man. I can't complain, especially after the last two games we played. Suffocating defense and, you know, enough offense. How about that? But, you know, we got a big game against the Nets on Tuesday, and like you mentioned, trade deadline on Thursday, so we got a lot to look forward to <laughs> going forward. Um, so, yeah, we can start with the uh, with the Magic game – or with the Pistons game, excuse me um, – you know, that first half, uh, our offense was so-so, but our defense was just, like I said, absolutely suffocating. 16 points and then 15 points in the first and second quarter. Um, this is looking like a 1992 score, Patrick, at halftime. Uh, you know, it was 46 to 31 at halftime. So, you know, very low-scoring game, but, you know, our defense continues just to step up night and night. And night. Yeah, you, you know, it was a it was a crazy first half. Uh, one of the craziest, more bi- mind boggling stats that I saw during halftime. Let's just go ahead and uh, I'll, I'll test you a little bit. What do you think Detroit shot from the field going into half? I'm gonna guess a ridiculously low number. I am gonna guess nineteen point seven. It feels aggressively low. Damn. That was incredibly low. What about what about what do you think the Celtics shot from three in the first half? Um, forty four percent. Damn, that's incredibly incredibly high for a team that only put forty six points up. Um, the Celtics shot thirty percent from deep in the first half. I was just off. What am I even? This is my worst. Detroit shot twenty eight percent from the 28%. field. The Celtics shot better from deep than the Detroit Pistons did from the whole entire field. The craziest part is Detroit actually shot. Better from three than they did from the field. They even shot better from three than the Celtics did in this game. I mean, the Celtics actually did not really even shoot well, like you mentioned. But, uh, yeah, the Pistons got most of their offense from, you know, behind the three-point line, and that wasn't even close to enough. And, you know, we will get to the fourth quarter, the 37-point fourth quarter for the Pistons. We'll get, we'll get there. Yeah, I don't, I'm not excited about getting there, but we will be there at some point. But before we get there, we just have to we just have to acknowledge how well this defense is, right? Like we're playing, yeah, not the best teams right now, but you still have to play the people that are in front of you and execute on defense. It's all about effort a lot of times with defense and execution and effort on that side of the ball has been really good by the Celtics lately. And the anchor of that defense is Robert Williams. Robert Williams has been phenomenal, altering shots constantly, making it very hard for teams to get inside in inside the paint, and then the person who's on the vocal point of that perimeter, that's Marcus Smart, man. Marcus Smart has been the perimeter juggernaut, really taking down the ball handlers, getting into those switches. And then you got you complement them with guys like Jalen and Jason, who Jason Tatum especially has been insane on the defensive side of the ball uh, as far as his numbers go. Into- yeah, no, like you said, I mean, Rob is the anchor inside, really done a great job protecting the rim. Um, you know, and being mobile enough to, you know, not get cooked or anything like that on switches. And, you know, we all know the type of guy Smart is defensively. I mean, you know, he's going to hound ball ball handlers. You know, he's going to fight over screens. He's not going to get abused in a switch with a bigger player. 
And once again, you know, to the people out there who say Jason Tatum, not a winning player, Jason Tatum only cares about his scoring, you know, for a quarter or even for a whole game, if you can just follow Jason around when he's on defense, he's always playing good positional defense. He's not taking risks, jumping passing lanes too often, but he can still create turnovers. I mean, that's one thing I don't think Jason gets enough credit for. I mean, I know Patrick, we give him his flowers, but it feels like a lot of people don't give Jason his credit for his defense. So, I mean, it takes a lot to go into, you know, making good defense. And uh, the Celtics actually have the fourth best defensive rating in the NBA, only 0.2 points behind the Cleveland Cavaliers. And that's for the entire season, not this month, not the last 15 games for the entire season. So, you know, I think we've held uh, teams under 100 points, you know, over 20 times, I believe, um, or at least around that number, uh, somewhere around there. So, yeah, cannot say enough about our defense, you know, because it helps us out when our offense isn't clicking on all cylinders. Yeah, you know, it's crazy, too, is um, speaking about the Cavs, is that they're a part of this next uh, thing that I had to say about the Celtics. Well, Celtics have the 22nd hardest remaining strength of schedule. And uh, only one team of them that's ahead of them in standings right now that has an easier strength of schedule the rest of the way is Cleveland. Yeah, I mean – Hopefully Cleveland can end up dropping some games, but obviously it doesn't look like that's going to be the case with their schedule and that recent move they made, sending out Rubio a first and a couple seconds for Karis LeVert. So it seems like they've only improved. So it's not likely that the Cavaliers slip, uh, you know, behind us in the standings or anything like that. But uh, it is definitely a promising thing to see our schedule, you know, keep on that. Like, you know, we got all our tough games out, it felt like, in that November, December stretch. We had just a brutal stretch there. And, uh, you know, it's feels good to, you know, be rewarded uh, with some easier games down the stretch in the crucial part of this. Yeah, and then another thing is going into this third quarter of this Detroit game is one of my favorite quotes after the game came from Jason Tatum where he, he told uh, – he said that the Pistons assistant, former um, Celtics assistant, Jerome Allen, told him at the start of the third quarter that he might as well have put on a coach's polo on because he only had five points at half. And Jason Tatum hit him with a, okay, I got something for you, and then dropped 19 points in the third quarter. Yeah, just Tatum showing his classic takeover ability. But also just, you know, I thought that was a nice little tidbit. He, uh, I thought that was funny. Jerome Allen said you should have brought the coach's polo. That made me laugh. But, you know, he talked to the wrong guy uh, in Jason Tatum. We know how quickly he can, you know, flip the switch on offense and just take over a game, and that he did in the third quarter. Very impressive couple monster dunks, just, you know, unstoppable really in that third quarter. And, you know, he should be a team like the Pistons, you know, who struggles defensively as they do. You know, it was good to see him, you know, dominate that stretch of the game. I'm just starting a petition to have Jerome Allen at every Celtics game. (laughs) And any time that Jason Tatum is at halftime with less than 10 points, to tell him to get into a polo. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that that would probably be good for motivational purposes. But, uh, yeah, you know, Tatum – and it wasn't like he was chucking either, you know. He shot almost 50% from the field, almost 50% from three, you know, an efficient shooting game uh, for the most part. So, uh, I mean, I'd just love to see that across the board. And, yeah, like you said, hopefully, you know, Jerome Allen should text him after every halftime, wow, where's your coach's polo? Because Tatum can, you know, consistently play at that level. He was in the third quarter. You know, as far as shot making and attacking is concerned, I mean, I know it's only the Pistons, but there's not too many people who can guard him. Yeah, I think that 
Tatum Tatum's just been insane, man. But also like in this game, this Detroit game was it was more so just like this team playing together again, right? Like it wasn't like a takeover or anything. It wasn't like Jalen or Jason just kind of like cut 35 points and carry this team to a win. And they had some moments in the third quarter where I thought they'd bend, but they didn't break and they survived some runs and then they just went on more runs themselves. So just a lot of growth I've seen in this team over these few games, even though they're against competition that isn't up to par. But, like, how I see it is you're building habits, right? You're you're learning that, like, teams can make little runs, but then you can make another run back rather than just kind of breaking every time. So these are habits that they're building that I think can ultimately on the, in the long run. Yeah, no, totally. Um, like you said, this game – I mean, honestly, these past two games weren't really, like, absolutely, oh, the Jays are scoring, you know, 30 points apiece like we've seen previously this year. But like you said, you know, I think that, that – goes to show the growth the Celtics have had as a team this year and that we are not the same team as we were in November, December, struggling, losing to a team with no Cat, with no Anthony Edwards, losing to a Paul George's Clippers. I mean, honestly, it feels like the Celtics have kind of turned a corner, you know, in that sense as far as playing as a team. And I think, you know, a big reason for that, if I'm being honest, is Ime shortening the rotation, you know, to seven, eight guys. And uh, playing our guys who are playing well and, you know. Healthy roster, too. Healthy roster as well, 100%. You know, that definitely factors in. Um, But I just want to touch Patrick over his last 10 games. Jason Tatum, like you said, he's been phenomenal as of late. Here are the numbers to back that up. Over his last 10 games, he's averaging 26 points, 8 rebounds, and 6 assists on 47% from the field, 34.5 from 3, and 82 from the line. So just – Absolutely wonderful splits his last 10. Um, and we'll see if he can keep it going, you know, because we have a pretty crucial stretch of games coming up here. I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. Uh, we can finish this Pistons game, but we do have some really, really big games coming up here against some division opponents and, uh, you know, some people close to us in the standings. I don't know. Word on the street is uh, it's Tatum's off year, so I don't know, man. I don't know. Uh, yeah, but yeah, Tatum's doctor is an all star <laughs> starter. How about that? We should have mentioned that at the top of the show. Shout out to Jason. Yeah, congratulations to Jason Tatum, baby, taking over Kevin Durant's spot. And uh, and just know, Jalen, you know, I'm here protesting. I believe you should have been an all star over a few guys. I won't mention any names because I don't want to, you know, like, you know kind of knock those guys because they're all having great seasons in their own right but i will say i do think Jalen deserves a spot over a couple guys on the team and uh you know it cost Jalen some money which i hate to see honestly uh so hopefully you know Jalen can you know go on a tear hopefully he makes all nba and get his money back that way uh because i do believe you know he's that talented i think he kind of got shorted on the all-star team but we won't spend too much time on that negativity um we'll just be happy for jason you know being an all-star starter this year which i think he does deserve to replace Kate. So my, my, my question is now this. So does Tatum undraftable then during this all-star draft? Because he's technically Kevin Durant, who is a, so is, is KD picking Tatum's team? That's an interesting question. I didn't even think about that. He must be. I just, I literally just thought about it right now. So like, he must be. I mean, it would be pretty cool to see Tatum in that chair, but I doubt well, I, as much as the NBA wants to make Tatum the next guy. I don't think they're just going to replace KD. So I bet KD will be drafting Tatum's team. I hope they're in contact or something about, you know, who Tatum wants to pick. 
I was gonna say, like, I hope the I hope Tatum has some say. You know, just give him a little say in there. That's a little, just a little bit, tension a little bit. Um, it'll be interesting though to see what direction that Kevin Durant goes for that team. But also, like, I was interested in seeing if Kevin Durant was gonna, like, if Tatum was still available, I think Kevin Durant would pick him as one of his like first two picks because of how close they are. Yeah, yeah. I mean. He's a starter on Durant's team, so I feel like there's going to be something where he's got to be on Durant's team. Um, but well, I guess we'll figure out, you know, come All Star Draft night. Um, but you know, moving on to the second half of this Pistons game, Patrick, why don't you take it away? You know, just give give, give some general thoughts from that second half. You know, the offense kind of picked up for the Celtics in the third quarter, but our defense also faltered. Do we, do we really want to talk about that? Well, in that fourth quarter? Do we just really want to talk about just it? the tab. Oh man! All right, all right. We'll, we'll we'll get into it a little bit then. Let's uh, just let's <laughs> Payne Pritchard, Neesmith, negative twelve in less than four minutes. And that's the tab. That's all we needed to say, really. Uh, no, uh, it was. But nasty, I mean, you know, we said nasty. even I... Patrick, even at the beginning of the year, you know, we said, um, I want to say we talked about this preseason that Ime Udoka felt like a guy. Where if you're going to hemorrhage points on the defensive end and, you know, you can't get stops and you're consistently giving up points, you know, you're not going to be able to see the floor. And I think, like I said earlier, you know, that's evident. That's why he shortened the rotation. And we saw at the end of this game really badly, uh, Pritchard in particular, getting picked on and just giving up, you know, I think it was, what, seven points and what felt like three. Yeah, it was – I just watched Payne Pritchard get bullied. And I was just like, man, it answered a lot of questions. Like, as far as like, man, why can't Payne Pritchard really crack into this rotation? Well, I know why. Because if you ever played like any type of video game or anything like that, and you're going against like a just a monster, right? So the Celtics defense to me is like this big monster. And if you have Payne Pritchard out there in that defense, it's like, ah, that's where you go to take down the big monster. Like, yes. that's the vulnerable spot. Yes. And that's Payne Pritchard. That's Payne Pritchard. Like, he is the ultimate, ooh, that's that's the weakest point on this defense, and it's really sensitive and weak. And as soon as you attack it, the whole defense crumbles, and we watch it happen in front of our eyes. No, that was a great analogy. He's the spot where no armor covers on the boss. Exactly. No, that's a terrific analogy, and I, and I agree. And, you know, as much as I was maybe talking about how at a certain point, I was very frustrated with Dennis and how Pritchard could maybe eat in some of his minutes. Um, Dennis stepped up, you know, since we were having those conversations, and he's played really well lately. And honestly, I'm nearing the point where with Dennis, I do just want to keep him around for this year because, you know, of how well the Celtics have been playing. And uh, if we're only going to have like a $2 million luxury tax bill, I'd rather just eat that than, you know, ship a guy out for nothing. Because what kind of message does that send to a guy like Jalen, whose contract could be up in a couple years, that we're just going to trade away a good player to save our owners a couple million? You know, I would rather just keep Dennis, because he has been playing, Patrick. I don't know if you've noticed. You know, maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm just being hopeful. But it has seemed like uh, Dennis has been able to play a little more within the flow of the offense. I'm not saying he's been like, you know, perfect into a spot up shooter who doesn't need the ball in his hands, but it seems like he, you know, is aware of the faults that we talked about, you know, and that I'm sure they were, you know, hitting on in film study. And it seems like he's done a lot better. So I actually might even owe Dennis an apology. And, uh, you know, he's played much better and he's not hemorrhaging the points like Peyton is. So even though Peyton's a better shooter, you know, I really do think that uh, 
the Dennis has earned his keep here the last couple of weeks. Yeah, no, I mean, Dennis has been, he's been solid lately. Uh, I just still can't ignore the fact that like we build up like these 10, even like eight point leads sometimes early on. And as soon as like Marcus Smart comes out and Dennis comes in, it just seems like those, those leads like go to two until Marcus Smart gets back in there sometimes. So it, more, I, I think also it's more so as Marcus Smart is also playing out of his mind. He might be playing the best stretch of basketball in his whole life since coming back into the lineup after his absence. And he's just been he's been a game changer, man. And I, I kind of wanted to jump into a little bit of the rumors going around with him and his name being in some trades right now. And I just want to say this, man. You don't trade your best playmaker on the team unless you're getting a, a playmaker of equal value or more coming back. So I really hope Boston doesn't make a big mistake there because even like if you trade him and you don't get the playmaker back, like you're also trading like one of your best defensive anchors. So it's like the thing that's our identity, the thing that's helping us win these games, you're also taking a hit in that category. So it's for me, there's not a lot of moves out there that I think makes sense for Marcus Smart to be moved and the Celtics improve. Yeah, no, I'm with you, Patrick. Um, you know, I've been a big Marcus Smart guy for a while. And, you know, I'm with you. We can't just give him away to get a little bit more shooting. Like you said, he's very important as a facilitator. He's really improved in that role. Obviously, we know what he brings on defense. And lastly, I mean, let's not forget, Smart is the heart and soul of this team. I mean, he's the longest tenured Celtic. He's going to give it everything he has every time he steps on the floor, no matter who he's playing with, no matter who's active, who's inactive. Smart is playing every game like it's a game seven. And uh, that's a sense of urgency like we've talked about it before. When you have a player who plays with that sense of urgency on the court, you know, it kind of forces other guys to raise their level of intensity. And uh, I don't think we should – and, you know, we can just get into the specific rumor. I mean, the rumor was Malik Beasley, some sort of a Malik Beasley and Marcus Smart swap. Um, You know, Beasley has been a better shooter than Smart. Um, But for me, I'm never doing that personally. I just am never doing that. It's too much of a – it feels like a lateral, slight negative move. And uh, I do like Malik Beasley. I, no shade to Malik Beasley. I would love Malik Beasley on the Celtics roster, but I don't think I would take him, you know, for losing smart. Um, so personally, that's how I feel about that rumor. And then I know a little Hawks rumor popped up today, Patrick. I don't know if you uh, if you saw anything about that. Yeah. And listen – and I like Bogdanovich too. I don't know how you feel, and Patrick, you can get your takes off about the Beasley and Bogdanovich after I'm finished. But I don't really, uh, I really like Bogdanovich as a player. But once again, same situation. I really like him, but is it worth getting rid of Smart for him? To me, definitely not. You know, Bogdanovich and Herder. Okay, then you know maybe you're piquing my interest a little bit, a little bit more than just Bogdanovich. Obviously, you know Herder's a knockdown shooter, a little bit of ball handling. He's on a pretty team-friendly deal after this season. Uh, you know, they extended him. But I don't think that's realistic for the Hawks to do, you know, give away those two players for Smart. So uh, I just think personally I better it's better at this point to hold Smart and then maybe if a trade for a bigger fish comes available this offseason, then maybe you pull the trigger. But I would love to hear, Patrick, what you think about these these Smart rules. Yeah, man. Um, the Malik Beasley one just doesn't make sense, right? Like, I mean – I don't even I don't can't even fathom of how rationally that even makes sense. That has to be a rumor more coming from Timberwolves camp than 
our camp, but I, I guess there was also a rumor that like it almost was a deal, but the Celtics wanted a first round pick, and that was something that the Wolves weren't willing to throw in. And for me, it's just it's not a very. I feel like that's a regression move. It's not even a lateral move at that point because that is just not okay for me at all. I hate that deal. Now, yeah, like yeah. the Bogdanovic deal, the Bogdanovic deal. Mm-hmm. Um, that one makes more sense in the sense of like it does address something, but then it hurts something that I feel like is more prioritized that we need. So it's like we take a hit in that playmaking that we prioritized and now we're going to get, you know, increase our shooting. So it's like I get that. I mean, the only reason that I would I would be more okay with this deal is that I feel like Tatum and Brown would be forced into growing their playmaking even more. And even though it's, it might be painful at times, like it, it would be a very necessary growth process to end the year. And it would probably frustrate some people even ourselves, but I think you surround them with guys like Bogdanovich and then you can see a little bit more of that playmaking develop better. And you're like, wow, these guys can playmake. Maybe Marcus Smart wasn't the only playmaker on this team. Uh, but also like I would be way more intrigued with that Hawks deal if Cam Reddish was involved too. And I feel like they gave up Cam Reddish for nothing, man. It makes me so angry that they just gave him up because I would have done whatever we could to get Cam Reddish on his team. Like, you want Josh Richardson here? <laughs> Go have Josh Richardson. What Give me Cam Reddish. Is that they traded them, Patrick, to a team who doesn't even play their young guys? Okay, we need to head up to Knicks right now. Yo, you don't want you don't want Cam Reddish? Here, yeah. Here's a second round pick. I mean, that move. It's clear to me that that Tibbs and the front office want a different page because you know I was. Really- I was hearing that Tibbs didn't really want to go through with it. And, you know, Cam Reddish has his issues right now. He's, you know, he's pretty raw still, you know. And we all know, I mean, Celtics fans know. I mean, he was on the roster or on the coaching staff in 2008. Tibbs is not a guy who loves to put to get rookies in there. You know what I mean? And I know Cam Reddish is not a rookie, but he's still, you know, a younger guy. And uh, he just hasn't seen the floor at all. So I'm there with you. I would have loved to take a swing on a guy like Reddish. But also – you know, there's only one ball to go around, so I do understand maybe why Brad didn't pull the trigger there. Um, but, yeah, you know, Bogdanovich I think is more interesting to me than Beasley. Um, but still, once again, I think I just sacrificed a little bit too much. I just – I think, you know, Smart is one of those guys where once he's gone, it's going to really stick out how much he did and what he meant to the team. And, uh, you know, I hope he sticks around, but, you know, we'll see this summer. Like I said, if there's a bigger fish, a bigger – a bigger play for Brad to make. We'll see if smart moves. Uh, Cause you know, his contract is pretty big, almost 20 mil a year. So that's a pretty sizable chunk of salary, but you know, I would rather keep smart around for the time being, especially at, at this deadline. I think given what I've, well, given what we've heard from the rumors, you know, if something pops up, I've never heard of, you know, that's a good deal. You know, I'd be okay with it. But as far as for Bogdanovich and Beasley, not necessarily my cup of tea for letting smart go. Exactly. And then that that pretty much does it for the Marcus Smart rumors. But I don't think there's much more to go in on that unless anything else kind of smokes I mean, unless more smoke screens appear. Um everybody also just remember like ninety percent actually probably like ninety five percent of these rumors are aren't even close to actually ever happening or even like have any truth to them. So a lot of people just put out names in, in the media and, and the media kind of just twist it a little bit and it's like maybe uh maybe the Celtics called and, and talked talked about 
Malik Beasley, and maybe um, Timberwolves called him back and was like, well, what about Marcus Smart? And that was it. Like, there may have been not even a, a deal even discussed between the two. It was just more like, that's the only player the, they wanted, and that was the only player we wanted, and then just a rumor came out. So yeah. it's just exactly. kind of like, eh. And another thing to remember is, you know, every single time at the trade deadline, all the rumors that everybody thinks are going to happen are, like, never really the trades that end up happening. Um, so, you know, it's fun to posture and, you know, get into these rumors. But at the end of the day, the actual deals that are done are almost never rumored to have happened. So definitely I would pay attention to the deadline, you know, coming up because we could definitely move Dennis or we could move, try and move Horford in a three-teamer where we get another big man back or, like, you know, hopefully not move smart. But uh, like I said, you know, to me, smart is the heart and soul of this team. And uh, the longest tenured Celtic, and I would rather have him around than have him out of town. Oh, 100%, man. And just going to this Orlando game now, right? You got anything no, else nothing to, left on that. We'll, we'll move on swiftly from true. that fourth quarter of the Pistons game. If we could. You know, then the, talk about a, a rough fourth quarter for us uh, in that game offensively. But, man, what about what about the start to the first quarter for both these teams offensively? 21-15 to 15 after the first quarter. Yeah, just a disgusting start to the game, honestly. I mean – this game, Patrick, to me, this game felt like for a while there, up until the third quarter, you know, even the beginning of the fourth, like with four minutes left in the third quarter, it was a nine-point game. And, you know, I think this game, Patrick, I don't know about you, but to me it felt like this was a game the Celtics were winning by like 25, but really it was like eight to 12 points for, you know, almost the entire game, um, you know, until the end of that end of that third quarter, beginning of the fourth. So, yeah, it started out as a – Really ugly game, but it did feel like personally for me that the Celtics were in control from the. Yeah, and then also, man, I just wanted to say that the ref that called the, the freaking block that Richardson had on Wagner uh, a foul when he went up there oh, and just blocked the hell out of it. That was wrong. That was wrong. Dad, you're dead wrong for that. Um, even look at the replay and everything, man. It was just like, ugh. Oh. It was so early in the game that Ime, of course, wasn't going to challenge it, but he, he didn't even use his challenge, man. I just say challenge whenever. Like, um, Oh, he actually did use the challenge in this game. It was a pretty obvious call. It was like an out-of-bounds call on Wagner. <laughs> and like hit his hand and stuff, and it was like, ugh. Sometimes the rest, man, like you miss some of the most obvious things right in front of you. Um, but Jason Richardson, or Josh Richardson is just, he's insane, man. He's so good defensively and good at rotation. And he got up there against Wagner, and I thought that was a pretty crazy play that didn't end up counting. Yeah, no, that block, I mean, I I was I was upset as well, you know, rightfully, I believe, you know, because that was a heck of a block, you know, just swallowing up that shot. And, you know, I, I do like saving that challenge for the end of the game, you know, as much as I would have loved to see that block count as a block in the stat sheet. I'm always going to opt for, you know, email or any coach to save that challenge for, you know, a crucial point in the game because there's nothing worse than using that challenge on a play like that in the first quarter and then, you know, the game coming down to the wire and, God forbid, you know, the ball goes off the other team and, you know, or they goes off the, uh, yeah, it goes off the other team and they call, the you know, the other team's ball. You know, I would like to have that challenge. So, personally, I would like to save the challenge, but. No, the first half was pretty ugly. I mean, the second quarter was definitely better from an offensive perspective from the Celtics. Um, you know, but like I said, you know, this was a game that the Celtics did not really pull away in um, until, you know, later in the, the the third quarter. But this was a game, Patrick, correct me if I'm wrong. I believe the Celtics were leading, led every single second of this game. I believe so. Yeah, they didn't, they were in a trail at one point in this game. It was like, they, it was almost like they were in cruise control. 
Yeah. You know, like they, it's like you're going to the, the speed limit. So it's nothing impressive, but you're in cruise control. So it's like you're never going to give up the speed either. <laughs> they were just like on like a little road trip, uh, just cruising around, not too worried about the, the score at all at any point. Yeah, and once again, I mean, not a great three-point shooting game from the Celtics. I mean, shot sub-30%. Um, but, you know, attacking the rim, points in the paint, 58 points in the paint, uh, really, you know, was our driving force uh, for the offense. Um, but, yeah, you know, I, I don't know what else to say besides, you know, the, the Celtics, it felt like they were in absolute control of this game. And, you know, I was kind of worried there towards the end of the third quarter. I think it was about four and a half, five minutes left. I'm looking and I'm like, this is kind because of, it's kind of a dangerous feeling to you know feel like you're up by twenty but only be up single digits like that usually is not I mean it's not the sign of a good thing right you know uh, you're letting the other team stay within striking distance but that last you know few minutes of that third quarter and the fourth quarter the Celtics just ran away with this and Patrick this fourth quarter for the bench guys felt like you know the polar opposite of the fourth quarter against uh, the Pistons and I think that's partially in part because Ime decided to leave in, you know, some key guys, Jalen Brown, Grant Williams, you know, pretty deep into that fourth quarter. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I wanted to also touch on some of the things that were impressive in that first half was uh, uh, I just thought the defense was insane on the perimeter. Did you did you catch how, uh, how poorly Orlando was shooting from deep in the first half? Do you know what their percentage was? Uh, it was, I know. It's, here's your chance. Here's your chance to redeem yourself right now. I know it was sub 20. I'm gonna say thirteen point four. You you recovered a little bit from the last one. It was eight point three percent. Oh, sub ten percent. My goodness, <laughs> that's insane. That's literally insane, though. That's that's a pretty insane stat. And they were playing phenomenal. I mean, you mentioned it earlier. The or I don't know if I think it was pre-show, but the Magic were struggling to get looks, let alone good looks. Like, I mean, yeah, take it away. Yo, go ahead, touch on those things you're gonna touch on. Yeah. Yeah, I, I and I, I thought that like, and this is like we we talked about how like the offense, it hasn't been the most impressive. Yeah, they've been better lately, but it hasn't. It really hasn't been the most impressive thing we've seen, because you got to think Orlando shot thirty one percent halftime, eight point three percent from deep, and we're only up ten. Crazy. Like that's just insane. Like that that should have been a twenty plus lead, and that's why the game felt like. They were on cruise control because they were so locked in on defense that it seemed like they were non-existent on offense. Offense, yeah. You know, that definitely did uh, – that does make sense. You know, that's why we felt like we're in control because I was never scared of the magic, you know, all of a sudden going on a run. But what did scare me was, you know, potentially the Celtics, you know, going on a three, four-minute scoreless drought. You know, maybe Cole Anthony hitting a couple ridiculous off-the-dribble threes. Um but, yeah, I mean, the Celtics defense just continues to be absolutely phenomenal. Like I mentioned, fourth in the NBA in defensive rating. And also, the Celtics are up to sixth in the NBA in net rating, and that is for the entire season. So uh, I really think, you know, the defense is the catalyst in that net rating, you know, have one of the lowest defensive ratings in the league, and honestly a pretty bad offensive rating. And for us to still have a high net rating, you know, as high as six, you know, that really goes to show how well we're playing. Um, on defense, but Patrick, you know, we can't skip over that dunk by uh, Jalen Brown. I mean, he did our guy Mo Bamba absolutely dirty. 
Yeah, man. Like I like I said before the show, man, he turned uh, Mo Bamba into less Bamba, and that dunk was insane. But uh, the dunk was my second favorite part of it. I think my number one favorite part of that whole sequence was Jalen Brown just nonchalantly, like straight face. He, he went Kawhi Leonard. That's what I want to call it. Is he went Kawhi Leonard. He went straight robot, and he just looks at the bench. The bench is freaking out. He's just like, "What's up? Y'all know I do this. Y'all know I, I, I do this. this. Like this. Right. This is." <laughs> I'm Jalen Brown. Like this is me. Don't don't forget about me. I, and that's like he probably has two of one of the, the craziest posters this year. He had that one against Miles Bridges, and now he has the one against uh, uh, Les Bamba. So it's just insane, just insane by Jalen Brown. Uh, put a dude in a body bag, did it to his family. Man, sorry to to Les Bamba, man. Uh, but you know Jalen Brown don't get in his way. <laughs> it's a no, no. It's that's a fly zone, and you were not invited in it. Listen, I mean, I loved Mobamba in college. Um, I was honestly, I really liked him. You know, I wanted the Celtics to trade up for him. You know, I know he hasn't had a phenomenal NBA career thus far. I still believe he has promise. But my guy, you got to know better than to get in Jalen's way when he's coming down the lane with such purpose. And I, it was a no-look dunk, Pat. That was the funniest part to me, is that Jalen pretty much had his eyes closed and absolutely just, put him in a body bag like you said and uh like you said you know he i am him i do this i am Jalen brown you can't stop me um and i just love that you know i love that Jalen. you know we know he can get fired up but i also just love that you know this is nothing special to him you know he has honestly a crazy amount of bodies in the nba it really is ridiculous Jalen and jason have two of the best uh the best highlight tapes as far as people they've dunked on this earlier in their career Jalen especially he's dunked on Giannis. Porzingis. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. He even got LeBron one time, too, uh, when LeBron was on the Lakers. Yeah, I know and I'm got LeBron, too. So we got LeBron. Oh, we and Jaylen, he, I think he got Giannis, too. I think he got Giannis, too, didn't he? Oh, oh, Jalen has gotten Giannis a couple times, but he got Giannis with the lefty dunk. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah. No, so uh, Jalen has Cat, too. Sabo- I believe he got he dunked on Simonis, too, but I know, that might have been JT. But yeah, so just another incredible. Incredible display of athleticism from Jalen and Patrick. I know we touched us uh, touched on this a few shows ago, or maybe a few weeks ago. Is that uh, it felt like the Jays were you know their rookie year they attacked with kind of reckless abandon at the rim. They were trying to dunk on everybody and anyone. Uh, it feels like over you know the last stretch of games, it's not they're not so reckless with it, but they are like you know it feels like they're uh, focusing that you know that aggressiveness in the rim and, you know, actually taking it out on guys, taking it out on the rim, you know, attacking, you know, with fervor. And I just love to see that because we've said it time and time and time again, you know, the Celtics are not a great shooting team. So how are we going to score attacking the paint? Yeah, man, they've been playing with a lot of uh, bad intentions when they're driving to the rim now. And that's something that we both appreciate more because these guys are so freakishly athletic, stronger and better than the people that are trying to guard them that they can do that on a regular basis and get away with it. Like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown should be getting up there. They should each be dunking at least once or twice a game, like minimum because the, their ability to get to the rim, their length, their strength. There's no reason that these guys shouldn't be able to attack the rim and really just out bully the people that are trying to stop them because they really are that those guys. And it's just funny because so, uh, the Celtics have been playing so well down these last few games now as they extend this win streak to five now, I believe, um, the longest uh, of the season. 
but just being able to really key in on their ability to attack the rim and they're a lot better team like we're not a great three-point shooting team cool that's fine then let's attack let's go like it i understand the new wave of like how we play in today's league is like everybody's shooting the three ball blah 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 but how the Southerners are currently constructed are more like a 2000s team like they are a bully team on defense go and attack the rim on offense type of team. Like that's the team they need to just embrace at this point. Stop trying to be a copycat of the other teams in the league. Be the best version of yourself. You know, we don't have the shooters right now and that's fine. So just address that by attacking, making people be honest with you. Go get free buckets at the free throw line, man. Cause if you keep attacking the rim, you're going to get to the line. Yeah, no, I a hundred percent agree, Patrick. And you know, we talked, you know, multiple times while this team's lacks an identity. Well, you know, it's very clear now at this point that their identity is their defensive, you know, their defensive prowess. And then I think they can add on to and, you know, develop that identity by, like you're saying, you know, come on, we, we, we can't just try and be the Warriors. We can't try and be the Rockets from 2017, 2018. Can't just shoot those threes because we don't have the personnel. So, you know, I'm just echoing what you said pretty much, you know, get yourself to the line. Get yourself to the basket because, you know, Patrick, I know you're a basketball player. I play basketball too. You know, you see a couple of easy shots, free throws, a couple of layups go down. You know, the hoop gets a little bit bigger in your eyes. You know, those jumpers start to look a lot easier. And, uh, you know, that's just something that can uh, help the Celtics offense, you know, further develop if we continue to attack the paint. You know, kick when we need to to guys like Jay Rich, Schroeder, Smart, um, Grant. You know, have them, I'll even have them shoot some threes, you know, on occasion when we need to. Um, but yeah, it's just funny. The identity of the Celtics team, I mean, is so much different from like, you know, the past years with Kyrie and Tatum and Brown and Hayward, you know, it was definitely like, we are very, had a very dynamic identity, like a lot of star power. Now, Patrick, it's funny to say, you know, it feels like we're more of like the grit and grind, ugly sort of, you know, holds you under a hundred points. And if we can score a hundred, we might win the game sort of identity. And I, I kind of love that personally because. Like you said, that channels some inner 2000s basketball, and that's what I grew up on. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I like I like that type of brand of basketball. You know, I understand it may not be ideal for winning in today's NBA, but also, like, if this team fully committed to it, maybe they can win in today's NBA by being these bully teams because this this team is so good, I think, defensively that they can get away with having an offense that isn't relying on the three ball. And it's kind of, I've, you know, you may got a lot of crap earlier in the year, but the man is, he's a genius with his, his defensive input and his scheming because he had a plan going into the season. He was a specialist in one thing, and that was defense, right? Nobody said he was an offensive playbook guru. We're not asking him to be Brad Stevens over here. You know, Brad Stevens is just a, a wizard man, all right? So... Uh, just seeing the ability that Ime has developed as a coach, I think Ime deserves some flowers. Like people will ridicule him when he's doing bad. I've one of those people. What I felt earlier in the year when he first started, that he had some moments where I was just like, "What are you doing?" Right. But I'm not saying he's above criticism. I gave him criticism. I think he deserved. But now I also think that he deserved flowers for the way he has 
developed as a coach as the season progressed and how this team is buying into what he's doing. You're seeing some of the habits that were in the beginning of the year starting to slowly break. Yeah, they come back every now and then, but they're less and less and less. And this team is getting better in both offense and defense of side of the court. No, I 100% agree, Patrick. Ime does deserve his flowers. Um, you know, it feels like, you know, I'm not going to say a flip was switched, but it feels like the team started to buy in a little more to his system. And, you know, it feels like things are, you know, we're not flowing like a, you know, a waterfall or a stream or anything quite yet. You know, um, there might still be a dam in the way, but we are starting to flow. You know, the offense is starting to look somewhat good. You know, it's not like uh, it was towards the beginning of the year where it was your turn, my turn, your turn, my turn. Um, and, you know, that's evident in our assist percentage. I mean, our assist percentage on the year is about 55%. Um, and assist percentage is an advanced stat that means basically, you know, a 55% uh, assist percentage means that 55% of your baskets are assisted. So that's definitely too low. Uh, over our last 10 games, which, you know, the Celtics have notably played well, much better. Um, it is up 10 percentage points to almost 65. So, you know, although the Celtics might not be like lighting the world on fire on offense, we definitely are moving the ball more. I think players are moving more off ball as well, you know, setting more screens for each other, screening, um, screening away. And I just think the offense does look better. And, you know, I think he like you said, he's not above criticism and he is most certainly not above praise. He deserves his praise when things start going well. Um, Cause you know, I know he catches a lot of flack from, you know, a lot of the local Boston media um, that I don't think he deserves. And uh, I just think, you know, it is good to give him his flowers because he's a first-year head coach, um, you know, with kind of a tough roster to, you know, build a great offense with. And, uh, you know, our offense has definitely looked better. So, you know, shout-out to Ime for Um Yeah, no, I mean, Ime, get your flowers, man. We appreciate what you've done and developed as a coach. Um, we just held you accountable uh, in the beginning and just showed you that we do expect some type of standards in Boston and you didn't let it make you crumble. Instead, you rose to the occasion and as the season progressed, so did you. And that's something that I'm acknowledging and I'm applauding you for. So and thank I, you. Amy. I also love the tough love that he gave our team this year. I mean, I know a lot of people cried on Twitter about how, you know, that's not, Oh, it's too tough. He's going to hurt the players feelings. Like, come on, these guys are grown men. All right. And I think honestly, players, you know, I, I don't want to speak for any NBA players, but I do think players value when a coach can be honest with them and very straightforward. And the things Ime is saying to the media, he's saying to their face. That is very clear. So uh, I just think the players love the straightforwardness. You know, um, he's not beating around any bush. He's not going to try and sugarcoat anything. He's going to tell it like it is. And I honestly think athletes appreciate that. So, uh, you know, shout out Ime for that too as well, because I think that tough love has made guys grow most notably, you know, Ime's own words, Rob Williams. Every time I've challenged him, he's gotten better. And I think that's very evident. And it's kind of funny that you say that he had tough love. I think Boston has also been tough love to Ime, right? Like we were really tough on him in the beginning. Like, hey, man, these are standards. But it's like now he's grown as a coach. It's like we're starting to, you know, see the improvements in him. And he's doing the same thing with the team. So it's it's almost like everybody's kind of just tough on each other and it's just good for the culture of the Celtics, right? They're getting back into what people like to call Celtics basketball. And some old heads like to say that it doesn't exist anymore, but I think that's very far off. I think Celtics basketball still is in Boston. And I think they, this team has 
the ability to be a, you know, nose hearted grit and grind defensive juggernaut a team that just kind of bullies people. I a hundred percent agree. And, you know, as far as Celtics basketball goes, that's why I don't want to get rid of my guy, Marcus smart. That's one reason, you know, if there's anybody who knows about Celtics basketball, no, I'm not trying to say anything about anyone else. I'm just saying smart is a guy who knows, you know, he's willing to put it all on the line. Like I said earlier, every single game. Uh, so, I, you know, shout out to, to smart in general, because if there's anyone who knows about Celtics basketball in this day and age, it's got to be Marcus Smart. But uh, Patrick, I was thinking maybe we could uh, – I don't know if you have a lot more you want to say about the Magic game, but I was thinking maybe we could, you know, take a look ahead, you know, to some games. Uh, one, one second, though. We do have to acknowledge Romeo Linkford in the garbage time was amazing. He was. And, and – he really was. Payne Pritchard dunked. Payne, Payne oh, Pritchard dunked. We can't just skip that. Sorry, you can't Patrick. skip that, Lucas. No, you can't. I'm sorry. What are you doing? Man. I tried to skip a, a fast PP dunk, all right? Fast PP dunk, man. He got bunnies, yo. He got bunnies like B-Rabbit. You know what I'm saying? Like, this man got up there with the flush. I didn't – honestly – if you told me that Peyton Pritchard could dunk before that that dunk he had, I would have been like, I gotta go see a YouTube video because yeah, I don't I think I've ever seen him move. dunk. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen this man dunk. So seeing him get up there and, and get a dunk in was was actually pretty relishing of. No, that was awesome. You know, I was waiting, Patrick. I was waiting for him to toss the alley oop to Bruno Fernando, and then he went up there and dunked it. I was like, okay, Pritchard. And you know, I thought Peyton posting that uh. Instagram picture, he said he tagged Bruno and he said, I, I got you next time, fam. And I was like, no, man, you got to go up and dunk that every time. Listen, I was shocked when he dunked that. I didn't even know he could get up like that. And I can't believe I was about to gloss over it without even a mention. So I apologize. No worry, man. I, I got us there. I got us there. And then uh, kind of go into into after the, that game now. Um, the team vibes, man. The team vibes are honestly – just just good like um i'm a big fan of this uh lifting after wins uh, uh and watching marcus smart and jalen brown play a little like you know tit for tat air boxing which is kind of oh, fun I love it. And, uh, <laughs> and jason tam in the locker room just kind of like laughing his laughing his ass off about it but watching grant williams and richardson those guys man they're just fully committed Actually, came to me a little bit of surprise. Is uh, apparently uh, a guy that has been rumored to be available from the Celtics is Grant Williams. He has been mentioned around as far as being a target on the trade market for some other teams, which I thought was pretty interesting. Being that he seems to be one of the more consistent outside shooting guys, uh, a good rotation player for. I think he's been really solid defensively as well, and he kind of fits what we do. He he kind of to me is like a poor man's Larry Nance Jr. Right, like he's he can shoot a little bit from the outside. Um, he doesn't have the same athleticism as Larry Nance Jr. does, but he has the ability to play that four pretty well and the three, and he can switch onto guys and, and just stay solid right there. So, um, kind of interesting to see uh, Grant Lamb's name. But you know, like we said, nobody's off limits in this team except for like. That is one player, though, where I I honestly would be shocked, okay, if uh, Brad chose to move Grant just because of how consistent Grant has really been this year. And, you know, his shooting has been, like, phenomenal. And if Brad was just to give away, you know, 
our best shooter percentage wise, um, you know, in a year where we lack shooting, I think I don't see that at all. I think Grant has been terrific defensively. I don't, I'm not sure how much credence I put to that rumor. I did see that rumor, but I would be shocked, you know, if the Celtics even were really considering trading Grant. Um, and yeah, man, the vibes are just immaculate, Pat. I mean, I just absolutely love to see those post, you know, those post uh, game workout sessions. Um, and, you know, I think that just kind of ties in, you know, with the deadline talk. Uh, I would just rather not give any of these guys away for no reason. It feels like, you know, the team is really vibing together. You know, all the guys get along really well. And I would rather just, you know, Dennis is expiring anyway. So, you know, it's not like we're going to get a ton of value for him. I don't think trading for him for Troy Brown to get under the tax is worth it. Let's keep these vibes going, keep the wins going, and, uh, you know, try and make as deep as a run as we can possible this year. And, you know, I know that's probably not super deep, but, you know, anything's possible if you have the best player in a playoff series. And I really believe Jason Tatum can be that against a lot of teams in the East. Yeah, I think so too. Um, and also the whole rumors of, of Toronto. I just want to shout this out, Toronto. You guys putting Robert Williams on your board of guys you guys want to to go after in this trade deadline? Back up, just back up. Not available. Sorry, not sorry. Like you're not willing to give up OG or Scotty or Pascal or Van Vliet. If one of those four guys is not evolved, I'm sorry. Like we're not giving our third best player up for if you're not willing to even give up one of your top four. So you can literally, literally just. Back up. Yeah, and, and very quickly to touch on that, it would make no sense to give our division rival the one position they need. And also, gotta pay my respects to Masai Ujiri. You know, the best GM in basketball. There's no way he's giving up any of his court like Scotty, Pascal, OG, or Fred for for Rob. I don't think. Um, so I just don't. I don't even know where that rumor came from. Honestly, Masai probably just picked up the phone and said, "What's up, Brad?" Is, is Rob available? And, you know, Brad could have said for the right price, and that could have been the end of the conversation for all we know. So, uh, yeah, back up, Raptors. You know, Masai, I love you, man. I love what you've done, your work. You're terrific at your job. I have the utmost respect for you. Please don't ever inquire about Rob again, please, because if Rob was on the Raptors, I would never want to play them in a minute. You want uh, Robert Williams and uh, Al Horford for Pascal and Boucher in a pick? Pascal Tatum and Brown. I mean, listen. Then you got me. Then you. But they're never gonna do that. But uh, you know, definitely. You know, I would have to say goodbye to the Time Lord on that one, just because of how good Pascal is. But honestly, I do want to keep Rob though. Like, I do think Rob on his contract, Pat, is better than a lot of other players. You know, at the five, who are gonna earn a little more money than him. Like, you know, people talking about will it's get Sabonis here? Listen, this could be a hot take. People can fry me if they want. Especially when you factor in their contract, give me Rob. I want Rob, especially for the identity of this team. You know, obviously Sabonis would make for a fun offense, but we'd be giving up way too much defense. And uh, I also think Rob does add a lot to our offense as far as spacing is concerned because of his rim, his his, his role threat. You know, you got to tag him going to the rim. And if he's not there, you know, and if you don't tag him, he's going to get a dunk. And if you do tag him, there's going to be an open shooter. So personally, that could be a hot take, could be crazy. But, you know, give me Rob over Sabonis when you factor. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Rob Rob Williams' uh, contract just makes it super hard to move off of him. It's But it also adds value to him, right? So, like, 
if he were to get moved in a, before the trade deadline, you'd have to take into consideration that how much he is uh, valued. Is uh, like you can't just be like, all right, he's a good player for his position, but he's on a really good contract, which just makes his boost his value so much higher. And I just don't see a a deal on the market that a team is willing to do, um, and that would end up really just hurting them ultimately and and burning them. Yeah, yeah. Rob definitely the type of guy I want to stay around. I mean, listen, we we got him on the you know similar contract to uh, Rashawn Holmes. You know, they're pretty similar players. I'd probably like Rob a little more than Rashawn just because you know his passing ability is like off the charts compared to Rashawn. You know, Rashawn's a solid player, but you know to get these like really quality rim rim protecting lob threat, you know, big men, you know, short roll passing big men on like the contracts that we got them on. Absolutely terrific. And I do not want to give Rob up, but uh, I think we can move on to the, uh, to some upcoming games, Pat. I know. I mean, I'm pretty anxious to get forward to the game on Tuesday against uh, the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, they'll be playing without KD, without Kyrie, and most likely without James Harden. But regardless whether or not of Harden plays, this to me is a must-win game, Pat. It really is. We'll jump ahead of Brooklyn. Keep the streak alive, man. Keep the streak alive. That's what we're trying to do at this point, right? The game by game, take it one by one. Mm-hmm. And we'll jump ahead of Brooklyn if we win this game in the standings. Now, unfortunately, if the Hornets had beaten the Raptors tonight, we would have a chance to jump into sixth tomorrow night but unfortunately we have the chance to jump it into seventh which is still one spot up from where we are now so that's good um so that to me is a must win you know with the nets not at full strength you know with no kd um even if Harden plays you know i I still think this is a game the Celtics should win um i really do i mean listen we should be able to contain blake griffin shouldn't we patrick I mean, you know what, man? I'm not going to play anything past Blake Griffin, man. Sometimes he played terrific the other night. I'll give it to him. He just goes in vintage. Like, you know, some players like that, like we, like Melo might have like a game where he just drops like 32 points, right. like 12 rebounds, and just, just has a day, right? Like, they're, they're professional athletes, and they were stars at one point in their careers, so they could turn back the clock at any point. But this, this game should be a game that the Celtics kind of handle pretty swiftly as long as they don't walk up in there and get uh, sloppy with it. Uh, I also think that I'm expecting a pretty big game from Jalen Brown. And the reason that I think Jalen Brown is going to have a big game was simply because today it was announced that LaMelo Ball was going to be taking Kevin Durant's spot in the all-star game and Jalen Brown tweeted out right after a few minutes after that was announced copy. And that's it. That's it. That's all. That's all was there. So, um, it was pretty clear that Jalen just, he, it was, I wouldn't say so much that he's upset about it, but he acknowledged it. Right. So he understands that. All right. They don't, they don't think I'm that person. And, I'm gonna acknowledge it, and I think once he once you tweet something like that, you got you got to back it up, right? Like your next game has to be pretty big. Your next couple games, I feel like you can just go on like a little tear. So uh, it wouldn't shock me if Jalen Brown just goes on a complete heater in this in this game against the Nets. Oh yeah, you know, like we touched on earlier, you know, I believe Jalen should have been an All Star, and you know, I think he's gonna come out, you know, show people that yeah, he probably should have been. So definitely keep an eye on that. So the Celtics actually have uh, Wednesday and Thursday off after the Nets game. And then uh, we're back home against the Denver Nuggets, 
which is the game I'm truly looking forward to. You know, this this Friday Sunday doubleheader sort of deal. Uh, we got the Nuggets on Friday. You know, obviously Jokic is a tough uh, tough guy to stop. You know, he's probably the MVP favorite at this point right now with KD getting injured. He's been playing phenomenal basketball. Has the Nuggets scoring at like 119 points per 100 possessions. You know, the last uh, the last 10 to 15 games, their offense has been phenomenal. So that will be a huge test for our stout defense. So, you know, looking forward to see how that goes. And then a rematch against the uh, the Atlanta Hawks and Trey Young on Sunday at 1 o'clock. Um, that game is also in the Garden. And uh, that's a big one, too. You know, I know the Hawks aren't necessarily close, uh, close to us in the standings as the Nets are um, or a team like the Raptors is. But we got to get revenge for that game. We lost, you know, by a pretty – Pretty wide margin, you know, a couple weeks ago. So got to get revenge on that one, and uh, hopefully we can pull that out. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm hoping that we get a little bit more revenge as far as that goes as well. Uh, but that kind of does it as far as anything else I kind of had to add. Did you have anything else that you wanted to add to today's yeah. show? Last thing I want to touch on there is uh, the next game after the Hawks is the Sixers. And, uh, you know, say the Celtics do manage to win even, let's just say, two out of these three games, all right? We, no, unfortunately, the win streak ends. Let's just say that. The win streak ends. We win two out of three. Getting a full game on the Sixers could do a lot for our chances to escape the play-in. Um, you know, the Sixers, you know, they could falter down the stretch. You know, we'll see. Embiid has been a beast this year, but we know, you know, he could potentially slow down towards the end of the year. He's carrying a massive load for this team. So we'll see. But that Sixers game is another really, really, really big game. Uh you know, for the Celtics. But besides that, Pat, I've got nothing else to say besides going over to Manscaped. Use our promo code of HOOPBALL20. Get yourself 20% off your order. You know, got to stay fresh, got to stay clean. You know, you want the vibes to be immaculate like the Celtics post-game workouts, and you can only do that with a clean-shaven, you know, nice tapered mustache and things like that. So make sure you go over to uh, HOOPBALL and use that code. I said hoopball. Make sure you go over to Manscaped and use hoopball20 to get your 20. Yes, sir. You got to make sure you guys head over there and get that hoopball20 discount in there so you get 20% off. Also, go ahead and head over to Apple Podcasts so you guys can go ahead and rate the show five stars. Leave us a review. We appreciate it very much. All the support, all the downloads is doesn't go unseen. Me and Lucas see those numbers every day, every week. It is warming to the heart and honestly it's it makes us feel great man like being able to talk sports and and people actually acknowledging it and loving what we have to say even if they don't agree or they do agree uh it's just it's just great to to see the love and support also head over to spotify allows you to now rate five stars as well and you can also follow the show on twitter at ethos celtics lucas at luca underscore gainer and me at ball and opinions as well Yep, yeah, appreciate everybody who, you know, rates, reviews the show. Um, when it comes to the live show on Spotify Green Room, everybody, we appreciate that. Um, like Patrick said, you know, rate, share, review, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, you can head over to sportsethos.com too. Uh, we got it on our own um, our own website there too in case, you know, you don't have a Spotify or whatever, you know, or if that's easier for you, you want to listen on your desktop, uh, definitely go over to our website, sportsethos.com, and check that out. But Patrick. That's all for me. We'll be back here uh, tomorrow night, probably post-Nets game or pre-Nets game if there's a trade. Yes, sir, man. I can't wait till tomorrow. Brooklyn Nets, here we come. 
let's keep the streak alive and keep the good vibes rolling. Yes, sir. All right. Take it easy.